You're listening to the Manchester Vineyard Podcast. We'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet, and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Well, welcome. We are so glad you're able to join us. Welcome to the many of you that are joining us for the first time. Those of you that are just dipping a toe in the water to see what church even is. Those of you maybe that are exploring Jesus this morning in these uncertain times. Welcome to the many of you that are joining us from all over this country and also all over the world. I have to be honest, I have a heavy heart today. I'm watching what is unfolding globally and what it is putting some of you through, and it's really not easy. It is a strange time. Two weeks ago, it felt weird that we needed to sit two seats apart from each other at our last Sunday gathering. Many of us wondering if we'd gone too far even doing that. Our refreshments were served in individually wrapped packages. We had hand soap and sanitizer everywhere. Now opening the front door to a delivery driver feels a step too far. I find myself FaceTiming my neighbors and talking to others, raising my voice as we stand many meters apart when I'm picking up food provisions or delivering food to a neighbor. My heart is heavy because I see the strain on many of you. Single parenting through this, living through the challenge of being isolated and trying to hold your marriage together living alone and now being locked in alone, working on the front line, feeling a sense of duty, but also wishing you could stay home, losing your job, seeing the business that you've ploughed everything into evaporating before you in little over a week, losing your accommodation, losing your ability to see family, feeling robbed of many hopes and dreams you were carrying for this year. I've heard some of you say, I'm scared, I'm anxious, I'm disheartened, I'm confused, I'm dis- deflated. Equally, among that, I've heard many of you express anticipation and expectancy and a hunger for seeing what God may do or accomplish in and through a time like this. Pain and hope are coexisting, joy and despair are coexisting. I've been keeping a keen eye on the impact of this virus on churches in Italy and other parts of Europe. In many ways, they've been through what we're just starting to walk through and we can learn much from them. I've asked myself lots of questions over the last few weeks. How is the church different to the world? What are we to learn in a season like this? Have Steph and I equipped you for what we're currently walking through and if anything, about to walk through more so in the coming days. A whole host of people have worked hard to put our small groups online and put moments like this, our Sunday gatherings online. But what if we hadn't have been able to do that? Have we equipped you to live out your faith in the circumstances that we now find ourselves? The focus needs to be so much greater than just getting us all online and surviving this period. We should all be actively engaged in our own discipleship and those around us for us to individually and collectively be apprentices of Jesus that come out of a time like this stronger than before. Manchester Vineyard in person or online was never about creating a show 
creating a mass of spectators, but instead about actively engaging us to be participants in the kingdom. We're now faced with an urgency and a preparation for limiting the spread of this virus, and rightly so. But may this also be a launchpad for our urgency and preparation for discipleship and the spread of the gospel. Research has shown that churches are often one of the first places people turn when they're in a crisis, whether they need physical, emotional or spiritual help. Just this last week, I um, read that a member of staff at a Northwick hospital in Greater London, they told ITV News that staff are becoming completely overwhelmed on wards and have now started praying before shifts. You don't realise you need Jesus until all you have is Jesus. I think it is fair to say that this is not just going to go away. It's most likely going to get worse before it gets better. And I don't say that to spread fear, but to be realistic. Based on this, I believe we can have but one response. And I don't say this lightly, but I say it honestly. Jesus is enough. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. Jesus is enough. Can I just read to us Psalm 46? And it says this, starting in verse 1, it says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Verse 6 and 7 says this, The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honoured by every nation. I will be honoured throughout the world. Would we be stilled? This morning? Would we be recalibrated in the presence of God? Would we be still and know that He is God? Would we remind ourselves afresh that Jesus is enough? Last Sunday, church attendance, attendance in the vineyard in the UK was the highest it's ever been. These are not times that we would choose. But as we have always done, we want to make the most and the best of every season that we walk through. We wouldn't choose this time, but let's grab hold of Jesus. He is enough for us and for the unique dynamics that each of us individually are facing. We're not just vineyard by name. We want to be vineyard by nature. We want to set out on the journey of living out the DNA that is part of us. We are deeply encouraged by hearing many of the stories of some of you who have sought to love others in this time. We're a people changed by the love of Jesus and that causes us to share and to show that love with others and to prefer others over ourselves. Even when we're faced ourselves by many burdens and strain, the weight of which can feel unbearable, we see and we hear stories of many of you still trying to step out with love and serve our neighbours your streets, our city, it's really quite remarkable. Emailing schools, emailing MPs, providing food packages for neighbours, phoning and creating support groups on your street. 
collecting and delivering food for some of the most vulnerable that we're aware of in this city. I could go on and on and on. I mentioned last week that today we will take an offering, an Acts 2 offering to help serve each other's needs in this church at this time. In Acts 2, they shared all that they had with those in need. They shared their money with those in need. We know that this is not an easy time to talk about money. We know that me even mentioning this could cause a misunderstanding or frustration. You may be in the depth of crisis yourself, trying to work out what you will do and how you will provide for your household. Well, dear friends, honestly, that is exactly why in a time like this, we need to do this because there are some significant needs. Some of you will have needs and some of you will be able to help responding to them. In a time where our own needs could easily become front and center, I need this or I need that and we're dashing out to get it before somebody else. That's what we're seeing in culture around us. That's what we're seeing in the supermarkets at the minute. Let's be a people who prefer others and meet others' needs where we can. I mentioned last week that from the offering, we won't just aim to meet the needs of those in the church. This is a global pandemic and we will make a gift to other churches and projects that we're involved in, in Albania and India, Austria and Kenya. I can share more details of those projects if you would like and it would be helpful, but I'd rather not do it in this setting. Some of those projects are very sensitive, but I can tell you their needs are vast and pressing and on a scale and nature beyond our own. We put our trust in him and him alone. We give for the same reasons and purposes as before. Generosity is critical to who we are and to what we do. It's the kingdom seed that we have and it's the kingdom seed that we sow. I was hearing just this last week of someone who was due to have a self-employed tradesman do some work on their house. As day by day the social distancing rules were getting tighter, they reached the point where they didn't think they could go ahead with their work. But pulling out obviously was going to have real financial implications on the tradesmen. So they felt prompted to pay for everything up front and to let the tradesmen do the work at a later date. The tradesman was blown away, as you would be, by such generosity, particularly in this time. Kingdom seeds of generosity. We're called to be a generous people. Today, I just want to pick up on the third part of the Trending Now series that we've been doing. If you've missed any of them, I'd encourage you to catch up online. I often speak in series, and so one will make more sense in the light of the other. We've been looking at some of the things that are trending now in our culture and how we can best navigate them as followers of Jesus. We've looked at what's not trending, community and discipleship and being shaped by the spirit and other things like that. We've looked at consumerism and the rapid advance of technological developments and the information age, the increase of the internet and smartphones and their impact on our discipleship. Isn't it fascinating that we find ourselves in the midst of this series given the current backdrop? And now today we find ourselves here, week three of this series. I'd already written the first part in preparation for being with you last Sunday, yet how quickly things changed. But regardless of the significant shift 
of the last few weeks, this talk is a sensitive one. Trending now isn't quite the right words for this, but we do find ourselves in the middle of a mental health crisis. It is a modern day challenge and it's having a huge impact on many people. And if it was two weeks ago, it is even more so now. This is a particularly challenging talk to give. It is highly sensitive and a significant pressure point in today's culture, but we can't sidestep the need to try and talk about it through fear of not wording things right. But please honestly know the heart with which I share this and the concerted effort I've made to do so in the most loving and sensitive way. This is also more complex because I'm not with you in person, so I can't actually get a feel of the room. Let me begin by saying this affects all of us. We all have a mental state and we would do well to reflect on how healthy it is. Whether we struggle with ongoing mental health challenges or not, have a diagnosis or not, are particularly in tune with our mental well-being or not, we all need to reflect on mental health, our own and those of those around us. Our mental health, whether good or struggling, impacts our spiritual health, our physical health and our experience of wholeness. In times of strain and challenge, we can still thrive, or perhaps especially so, in our relationship with Jesus. Over a number of years, I have, as I think many of you will have, as well, I've noticed a shift in what people are asking for prayer for. Instead of physical conditions, there has been a dramatic increase in those wanting prayer for anxiety and depression and other such things. I have seen many who have begun to feel a need to hide because of personal struggles they have with their mental well-being. I know many who take medication, some of who have felt empowered to make a positive choice about it, whilst others have felt ashamed for doing so. I know somewhere they've hidden their struggles in a church environment because they felt others wouldn't be merciful to their situation. I've seen some face the reaction of others. Why can't you just pull yourself together? And things like that. We would do well to have a high level of grace for one another, to understand each other and find ways to compassionately listen and to respond to one another. Whether we personally struggle with our mental health or not, fleeting or chronically, let's have grace for each other and be postured towards each other with love and kindness. We can never fully understand another person's struggles because we're simply not them. But we can be kind and wise and merciful to ourselves and to others. People suffering with their mental well-being, despite new language and often more of a focus in the current age, really isn't a new thing. If we look through history, Martin Luther, John Bunyan, Cole Barth, all faced huge challenges. Oswald Chambers, Charles Spurgeon, similarly. In addition to those high profile, we could say, followers of Jesus, we find many other examples in the Bible. Moses was too afraid to speak in public without using his brother Aaron. We see it in Exodus 6. Saul was psychotic. We see it in 1 Samuel 18. 
many of David's psalms suggest that he had suicidal tendencies. We can see it in Psalm 42 and 43. Elijah wanted to die. We see it in 1 Kings 19. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. We see it in Jeremiah 4, uh, sorry, 9.1. Jonah experienced terror and aggression and depression. Jonah 4.3. Paul said that both he and his other disciples despaired of life itself. 2 Corinthians 1.8. And then there's been much debate as to whether Paul's fawn in the flesh that we see in 2 Corinthians 12.7 was physical or emotional. You know, it's worth noting that it seems none of these biblical characters saw the fullness of healing this side of heaven. Sometimes the challenge can be that we just focus on the triumph stories of what God has done and we fail to acknowledge the challenges, the pain and the hardship often faced. I do not believe that God harms us in order to show us his goodness. I also do not believe that he uses forms of pain to make us follow him. God doesn't need to stoop to the level of the devil and his tactics in order to reveal his goodness. I do, however, believe that God allows things just as he allowed Paul to experience excruciating pain with the thorn in his side, for David to have to run for his life, to Joseph, for Joseph to be thrown into a pit and into prison. There are many stories where we find instead of God rescuing, changing or removing circumstances, God allows them. The Bible shows us story after story after story where suffering is very present and where God allowed it, but also where there is a deep power within those people who were suffering. We see a great example of it. We see it in Acts chapter 7 verse 55 where the Holy Spirit comes on Stephen powerfully, profoundly, as he's been stoned to death. The Holy Spirit gives us power to walk through deep suffering, not just alone for instant miracles. To believe that those who have endured suffering like this have somehow missed the mark devalues the great sacrifices and the massive advancement many of them make in the kingdom of God. So how should we, how do we best respond? Well, do you find it interesting that God has given us two ears and only one mouth? The Bible advises everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. We see that written in James 1.19. People don't change because of our opinions, but it's vital that they know in spite of what they share that we're listening, that we're walking with them and, and going on this journey with them despite the challenges they may be facing with their mental well-being. And I believe that it will be more so in the days ahead, even what we've seen in the last few weeks and the time and the period we're now going into, this is only going to see an increase. If we look at the churches ahead of us in Italy and other parts of Europe, they are already saying that they're seeing a shift from a period of panic to now tiredness, loneliness and sadness. In times of great pressure and change, we can spill over. In times of crisis, what is within us shows up. It is heightened and it's emphasised by the things that we maybe have already been battling with. Some of you in the last week or so 
will have felt panicked. You'll have felt trapped or anxious or frustrated, irritable and many other similar feelings. Some of you will have struggled with feelings like that for a long time and now they might have actually seen an increase. If you feel marginalised by the way you currently feel, let's just remember that Jesus based his whole ministry around people who were marginalised. And for all of us, togetherness should always be part of our language when we talk about being a church. There is no us and them when it comes to someone who is facing a struggle. There is only us. We're in this together. We do well to adapt to this kind of mentality quickly, even prior to the present reality that we're now facing. One in four of every person, sorry, one in one in every four people in the UK has a diagnosable mental health challenge each year, whether that be stress, burnout, depression, anxiety, or something of that nature. Can I just offer us a few thoughts together this morning? Firstly, around praying. As a people of faith, they seek the Lord to free us of some of the burdens and challenges we face. It can be very difficult for those that are struggling with long-term, um, have long-term struggles when their prayers remain unanswered. I'd say over that, not just over mental well-being, but over any prayer in relation to something of a long-term nature. It's a struggle when we feel our prayers have not been answered. So when we interact and interrelate, we have to be so careful in how we approach our conversations and the language that we use. Hey, I'll, I'll pray about it, or let me pray for you, doesn't always best help the person. Now, I'm not saying prayer and praying for people isn't helpful. It's more how we approach conversations with each other that I think is really important. Robin Williams once said this. He said, I used to think that the worst thing in life was to end up alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people who make you feel alone. We have to be careful that our approach doesn't cause people to feel isolated. Some people have walked through and battled through things for many years, and they may have sought help in many environments. The seemingly quick fix response of let me pray for you can be scarring, badly scarring. We must listen and seek to understand. We must hold the tension of the now and the not yet. We must pray eagerly for breakthrough whilst also embracing the person where they're at and all that God can accomplish in us and through us, whatever the situation may be. Then secondly, sometimes there can be a spiritual element that has implications on our mental well-being. Hurtful and damaging experiences can lead us with remembered and remaining mental and re emotional responses that limit our freedom to experience God's grace fully. The burden of pain that we all carry can drain our energy and can make us feel unworthy and guilty and hopeless and brokenness and unforgivable and various other things like that. These negative feelings converted over a period of time into attitudes can begin to develop within us a negative pattern of behaviour, reaction and thought processes. The past can then begin to impact our present. Not every one of our thoughts 
is from us. The enemy certainly attacks our minds, which is why it can be dangerous to be alone. When we're in community and accountable, others can speak into things in our hearts, in our minds. Value is expressed through other people. That's what Jesus did throughout the Gospels. He gave value to people where, where they may have been devalued or overlooked. We're complex beings. We're a mix of the mental, emotional, physical and spiritual. And things are not always black and white. There may be past or present traumas, ongoing burdens and struggles, inner self-conflict, or there may not be. That is no, by no means a list that is exhaustive of root causes. Some people suffer without any apparent cause. Some people need medical or professional help. Others don't. This is really not clear-cut. One thing that is clear, though, is we all need Jesus. And he is more than enough for each of us. The, the third thing is margin. Margin is really important. In a culture where we dash from one thing to the next at such pace, we easily become consumed and overwhelmed and stretched, filling our thoughts and minds constantly with information and interaction. Some of it, much of it, affects us more than we actually realise. There is no such thing as free cheese in the mousetrap. What we do, how we do it, and how we live affects us. When negative things are empowered in our lives, we often don't realize their power until they've trapped us. Whatever we say yes to, we empower. We empower it to have an element of control in our lives. Let me just give you an example. I don't watch movies with a rating over 12. I am a highly visual person and things stay with me often very vividly and images imprint on my mind. I have to be so careful. We do well to reflect on the impact of the environment around us, on the surrounding culture and on our mental well-being. Constant exposure to screen time, to the influx of social media, to the world of comparison can be really harmful to us. Our discipleship and our rhythms are crucial in this time. And in fact, this particular time, more so than ever. Do we just watch the news and absorb, um, absorb things into our mind that are outside of our control? Or do we create space for regular exercise, for, for times of just disciplined prayer, for Bible reading, for healthy, wholesome conversations? In this season, I'd encourage you to make some time for rest. Take, take 15 minutes a day just to Focus on the true north. Take time to focus our mind and our attention back onto Jesus. Prayer calms our panic and it directs our preparation. I long for a closer intimacy and revelation of his truth and his peace. Not just being absorbed by the chatter of the world around me, but seeking out times of stillness and worship. The fourth thing is this. Jesus came to free us. Mark 2 verse 17, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. If Jesus came for the sick, let's be honest about how we really are. He wants to set us free. We don't need to hide from it. We don't need to fake it with him. That's what he came for. You will have often heard it said, the church isn't a museum 
of saints, but a hospital for sinners. Yet most would rather pretend to be a saint on display than to call for an ambulance. You know, the reality is, though, the messier it is, the more we are doing what Jesus has called us to do. We're not to shy away or pretend that pain doesn't exist. We do well to lay our hearts before Jesus, to welcome him in to the darkest places that we may be facing. The fifth thing is where you are is not who you are. Some of you may have lived in a place of pain physically or emotionally for so long that it's become your new reality. Do you remember the man at the pool of Bethsaida in John chapter 5? In verse 6 it says this, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, said the sick man, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the waters bubble up. Someone else always gets in there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Jesus asked the man, do you want to be well? He'd been sick for 36 years. Sometimes when we have been living a certain way, it becomes part of who we are and it takes on its own identity within us. Jesus wasn't asking the man if he wanted to walk. He was asking him if he wanted a whole new way of living. Sometimes it can be easier to stay where we are than to move to where we could be. This new way of living for this guy was going to mean he could no longer beg as a way of income or for attention. God's healing has many layers. Healing our physical state is only the first step. Often we can sink into a mindset that becomes a way of life and that too has to change in order for wholeness to come. Steph and I once prayed for someone and they'd been ill for many years. They could hardly walk and, and, and all sorts. Anyway, prior to us praying for them, they'd been in a time of worship and they really felt God saying to them that they needed to renounce the cloak of disability. Renounce the cloak of disability. So as, as we prayed, they did that. They renounced it. Now, in that moment, in the moment, literally in that moment, even physically, things changed. Not just in walking and throwing down their walking aids, but in their face. They, were, they, they just looked a completely different person. Now, with the guy in the pool, when Jesus asked him if he wanted to be well, he blamed others. No one's here to help me into the pool. Whilst trying to get in, others go ahead of me. His response wasn't, yes, I want to be healed. Thank you. It was blaming others for his condition. Now in this example we can see a deeper issue and it reveals really something about healing. It was more than one encounter. Sickness to him had become a way of life. Now honestly, 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 please hear my heart. Some of you are deeply troubled by things currently and you could be hearing me saying, well, you know it's kind of your fault. You just need to take active ownership and you just need to move on. I'm honestly, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. What, I'm, what I am saying is where you are is not who you are. Let's not settle until we find wholeness in Jesus and the wholeness that he came to bring us. The sick thing is this. If we need medication for an ailment and the doctor says we need it, we take it. If I have a headache, I take paracetamol. If I have an infection, and I'm offered antibiotics, I take them. 
If you need something to help the biochemistry in your body to reset and to help you normalize, then I think we would do well to see that as a gift from God. If you're offered therapies and talking therapies, we'd do well to accept the support. There is no shame and no embarrassment. I'd encourage you to explore with the doctor what might be available to help you in terms of professional support or treatment. But can I finish where I started? Jesus is enough for you in the season you're in and with the load that you're carrying. Let me just read from Psalm 23. It says this, Psalm 23 verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He holds me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you chose me. Sorry, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. I know I read it last week, but from this passage, Jesus says three things happen when we make him our shepherd. He says you hear his voice, you have a relationship with him, and you follow him. In other words, you put him in control of your life. Now, before I move on, some of you might want to do that. Some of you might want to do that right now to take that step. I want to give you the opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. But notice in the passage, we don't stay in the valley. You keep walking through it. Where he leads, he also prepares a way. Pain will distract us, whether it's pain of the body or pain of the mind. It will divert our attention if we allow it. It is exhausting and it can make us focus on ourselves. When it consumes our mind and becomes our focus, it can lessen our focus on God and we can become fixed on the enemy and miss our, our opportunity to step into intimacy with God. God's healing in our lives is about learning to rest in him and trust him, especially in times of great panic and pain and fear and anxiety or whatever it might be. Psalm 62 says this, Psalm 62 verse 5. It says, let all that I am wait quietly before God. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. My victory and honour come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him, for God is your refuge. I pray you would know Jesus is enough. I realise this has been a challenging topic to discuss or begin to discuss and not to do that not face to face even more so. I hope you hear my heart and my love for you this morning as we open a door to something that actually is much wider and multifaceted conversation than we've had time for this morning. But what I'd love to do is spend some time resting in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So this time will be over to you. But let us just say that we love you, we're for you, and we're cheering you on in this time. 
but why don't now we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit? And, and Steph is just going to join me as we do that. listening to find out more head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description